Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Christopher Soul Eubanks. Christopher is a climate, human, and animal rights activist that was raised in Atlanta, Georgia. He's dedicated himself to doing advocacy work that combats all forms of injustice. After learning the horrors of animal exploitation, Christopher became vegan, began doing community organizing, and has helped co-organize Atlanta's first ever animal rights march. Christopher plans to use education, public speaking, and creativity as tools to advocate for the climate, a vegan diet, and the end of all forms of injustice. Here we go. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. You are very welcome. I'm always glad to be a part of uh, any time I can help spread the word about veganism, animal rights, just give my perspective, insight, anything I can do. Um, I'm always up for it. Well, I'm really excited to chat with you because I've followed your work for a while and it's very inspiring. Thank you so much. it's, It's weird when people say that to me. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just doing things and people are like oh you're doing some great things and I'm like well thank you it's kind of like just getting appreciated for walking <laughs> yeah well I think you're doing a little more than walking but <laughs> you can call it what you want <laughs> thank um, you, thank you. yeah of course so the podcast is called consciously clueless okay. and I started with this idea of like you know I'm, I'm on this journey I'm learning more and also some days you wake up and you're like yeah I know nothing <laughs> I'm clueless mm-hmm. and everything in between and being okay with all that so I like to start with asking you know how are you feeling right now in this moment on the spectrum from conscious to clueless where are you at oh so is there a there's no right answer okay. here <laughs> okay um I always wrong. Like I'm always on the spectrum um mm-hmm. I feel like I am at a zero. I know nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's great. I think that's, we should walk through life not knowing that we know it all. You know, we mm-hmm. should be open to having new ideas, new concepts, being able to challenge our thoughts and our, our ideas constantly. Um, so, yeah, in that regard, I feel like I know nothing. Um, and on another, in, in another way, I feel like maybe I'm at a seven or eight, like I've went through life learning lessons and it's not that I've learned everything that I need to learn Mm -hmm. but I do feel like I've you know I have a strong foundation now I don't think that my foundation is going to change of who I am and the things that I feel passionate about and the things that um make me whole so yeah on that and yeah I still have ways to tweak myself and that you know we'll never be at a 10 but um, I still have some stuff to do. Like even today, I'm um, doing my first therapy session. Um, nice. That's Congratulations. My, yeah, thanks. And that's that's the reason I'll be, you know, with the hard cutoff time is because this is my first appointment. I've never done this before. So I'm interested in learning, like, how to be a better person, how to uh, analyze my behavior better, um, and just be more aware around it. So I still have a lot more growing than I need to do. So yeah, I'm on both ends of the spectrum constantly. Good for you. That's a hard step to make that first appointment. Yeah, uh, it's something I've been putting off forever. Um, well, not forever, but definitely this year, I went into the year thinking, okay, this is the year I will definitely put a more conscious effort into therapy. And mm-hmm. I tried it a couple of times. I tried looking up some um, information and 
my health insurance didn't cover things and did cover things. And I was like, ah, it was just a hassle. Yeah. This past week, I was like, you know what? Let me just, I'm just going to find the closest one, go try it and see what happens. So. Well, I, I wish you luck because so, yeah, it's a journey when you start digging into that stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I interview someone, I always do like a last minute kind of check on social media and the website, see what you got going on. And okay. I ended up spending so much time on your website because it was so fun to look through everything. And I didn't even realize oh, wow. some of what you did, you know, and like the photos um, from sanctuaries and all of that. So there's a lot to cover. Um, <laughs> but let's start with kind of the um, most prominent thing, I guess. Tell me about how you became vegan. What was that journey like? Oh, sure. My vegan journey started early in life. So it started, um, I would say around the age of 13. Okay. One of my um, favorite books is the autobiography of Malcolm X. So I read that and he, um, his mentor was Elijah Muhammad. And in the book, uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X, uh, there's a reference to the book, How to Eat to Live by Elijah Muhammad. And I read that book and it just spoke about not eating animal um, flesh specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so once I read that, I decided, okay, I'm going to go uh, vegetarian, but I'm going to do it over a slow period of time. So I did it over the course of like four, three or four years. I decided to go uh, to not eat pigs when I was at the age of 13. Okay. At the age of 15, not eat cows. At the age of 17, not eat chicken or fish. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a mentor or anybody that was vegetarian, vegan. I didn't even know what veganism was. So that was the beginning of my journey. So I was a vegetarian for about 10 years. Then I just kind of felt weird and isolated out of a place. Like I, like I said, I didn't know any other vegetarians. Um, so I started back eating animal products mm. and then I will say, uh, about five years ago, I saw the film Cowspiracy and this was right around the time when I was considering myself to be trying to be a better environmentalist. Mm. And I saw that movie and I was like, there's no way I can continue to eat animal products and consider myself an environmentalist. You know, that was a yeah. conflict for me. So I, did, I decided to stop eating animal products that same day. And uh, I will say about six months in, I started to research more of the ethical aspects of um, veganism. Yeah. And I will say that's when I truly became like a vegan at heart for ethical reasons. And I started doing activism from there, started organizing and volunteering, um, started using social media as a way to speak up and advocate. And uh, I guess that kind of is what got me here today. Yeah, I guess in my head, I'd imagine that you have been doing this for longer. So that's so oh. interesting <laughs> in terms of the activism yeah. piece. It's, yeah, it's only been a couple of years of actual activism, maybe three at this point. Okay. Yeah. So when you say that, you know, at 13, you were making this conscious decision to kind of start this process. What was the reaction like from friends and family and people in your life, especially I'm imagining like a young kid making this decision? We don't always give kids credit for like making those decisions. What, what was that like? Yes. Um, interesting because my mom was fully supportive. I will say that she never like went out of her way to, I guess, do anything extra for me for the most part. I mean, sometimes she did, but she's like, Hey, you know, I support you. You know, I'll make, food for you here and there and you know I'll right. tend to uh 
help you however I can. But on the other end, she was like, you know, I'm not going to change the whole family's diet because of you. So uh, it was just a healthy balance. Um, but yeah, every I, I never really got any pushback, never any real resistance. No one has ever really challenged me, um, especially at that age, saying, hey, mm-hmm. you know, this is dangerous. You shouldn't do this. For the most part, people were very supportive. And even as I became the vegan, um, a lot of people were really supportive. I think a lot of people honestly know it's healthier, even though yeah. at times there's a lot of resistance. But I think intuitively people know, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating plants. So um, for the most part, the reception has been good and, and positive. So when you decided like, okay, I'm going to go vegan and then you started kind of digging in, what was the moment where you're like, oh, this is my life now. Like, I want this to be my life now. So it was when I did my first form of vegan outreach. And okay. this was when I was with Anonymous for the World. That was my first time doing animal activism. That was uh, November 3rd, 20. Was this is 2021? So it was 2018. So okay. I, it's funny because I never will remember the day I went vegan, like the actual dates. But I'll always Me neither. Remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea. So I'm jealous of all the people that say, oh, I went vegan on this day. Because sometimes they post it on Facebook. I don't yes, know. I'm always like, well, it was the month of August. <laughs> <laughs> like all I remember is that it was the summer of 2016. So I, the, my anniversary could be today for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy anniversary. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> if so. So yeah, so, um, so I started doing activism, vegan outreach. And the first time I attended a vegan outreach event, a vegan outreach event, I knew I was like, oh, I'm doing this forever. I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be paid. I don't know if it'll just be volunteering, but you know, just being in an environment, talking to people about veganism, advocating for animals, and educating people about what's happening, it, it mm-hmm. just felt really rewarding and it felt really purposeful. Is mm-hmm. that a word? Purposeful, I think. Um, it is now. Okay. <laughs> so it just really felt rewarding and it felt like I was giving back to society um, in a way that I really hadn't felt before. So I knew from that moment, I was like, this is going to be a part of my life forever. So what is that intersection like? Because I've talked about this on the podcast a lot of my immediate kind of response when I went vegan was a little bit of that angry vegan stereotype. Um, and I wanted everyone to listen to me. And I felt like, you know, the, the blinders have come off of me and I wanted everyone to else to take them off too and listen to me and I'm right. And, um, I know that that came also from such a seat of privilege, um, to just assume that, you know, everyone was going to follow suit and it'd be easy. Um, what is that intersection of being a man of color in the vegan space? Like, it's very interesting. I wrote a article with, uh, sentient media talking about my experiences as a black man in the animal rights movement. Mm-hmm. And I would say initially, it's not something that I, I acknowledged and I understood some of the things that were, I guess, happening in the animal rights movement when I first entered and how it related to uh, race and issues of race. But I was just really hyper-focused on advocating for animals that those things, not to say that they weren't important, 
they just weren't mm-hmm. at the top of my list. They weren't a priority per se. Um, as I've become more vocal and more comfortable and gathered my thoughts and ideas about how I feel about these things, I began to speak more and more about them. But um, it's, it's very interesting. It's very, uh, at the beginning, it was very isolating. Like I really mm. didn't see a lot of people of color, a lot of black people, especially black men. I, I mean, this at this point, I can count on maybe two hands how many black advocates, uh, black animal rights advocates that I've met in real life. Yeah. And um, how many that I've actually worked with is probably uh, less than that. So it's, it's real interesting because it's, this is a social justice movement. And, mm. you know, it's, it's open to anyone. But when you see that a lot of certain sections of our society, certain groups of our society aren't in the space as much, you do, you're, the wheels start to turn in your head and you wonder what's going on and why things like this, why yeah. I'm not seeing this representation. Is this not for me? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I also spoke about in the article how just growing up in America, I, I'm just used to being the only uh, Black person in certain rooms and certain groups, um, right. whether it's classrooms um, or there's shops or whatever. I've kind of become accustomed to that. So when I first mm. entered the animal rights movement, it wasn't a bizarre feeling. It was just like, oh, this is another instance where, you know, I'm the only Black person, Black male. And it's funny because I was I was with a friend and we were hanging out one time and we had this uh, New Year's Eve party and uh, she she's white. So we went to this New Year's Eve party and, you know, nobody at the New Year's Eve party was um, was white. And she was like, wow, this is like the first time I've been the only mm. white person in the room. And it was funny. It was just like I've grown up. That's <laughs> that your life. I like like I was so introduced to that. I was introduced to that in middle school. Um, I went to a middle school um, like an hour away from where I uh, lived and it was literally nothing but white kids. It was like a program, it was called uh, Minority to Majority where they would take kids from like my neighborhood and send them to uh, schools outside of our neighborhood, I guess for, you know, quote unquote wow. higher education. And I did it for a year and that year, that was like the worst Wow. School experience I've ever had. And it wasn't because of the teaching. It was just I felt so alone. And then that trip was like an hour and a half each way. It was really taxing. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in the south side of Atlanta. So East Point okay. specifically is close to the airport down here. And I was traveling early in the morning to a part of Georgia called Sandy Springs. And um, yeah, it, it was just a totally different dynamic. Like the kids were rich. And it was just a very weird, surreal feeling. So very early, I was introduced to this concept of like being the only black person in certain social settings. So when I became, yeah, when I started in the animal rights movement, it didn't, you know, didn't it stand out. It unfortunately didn't feel different. Exactly. Yeah. So absolutely. the and correct me if this is not your experience, but the, the, the name minority to majority kind of struck me in a weird way. I did. I, did, I don't oh, yeah. love it. It me feels either. a little white savior-esque. <laughs> Is that the vibe I'm getting? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. At the time, <laughs> oh, you know, I think my mom at the time, she was like, you know, this is a great opportunity. Totally. Um, the teachers were like, you know, he'll thrive. He's a great student here. Uh, he'll thrive in a better environment, but looking at it now, I, I, I see it totally different. Um, yeah, just the name of the program is like, 
why did I, I don't know. It, <laughs> I'm making bristle. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I don't yeah. love that. It wouldn't even go today. No, so, yeah. no, 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 no. Which is interesting. Um, the kind of white saviorism thing, I think that happens a lot in veganism. This like, let me tell you about why you should change your diet. And um, I had a really great conversation on the podcast a few weeks ago now about this idea of, um, you know, telling people what they should be doing and not understanding like the cultural background of like why these choices are there for people of color and um, the history of food. And I think if we don't talk about that, you're just missing so much. Absolutely. And I think another part of that is, um, well, one part of that is just as people, we tend to have these egos and when things aren't the way we think they should be, we can't accept that. Yep. Like I've accepted that there's racism in the world, there's sexism, classism. And I think we, as a species, tend to think that we are beyond these things. And yeah. unfortunately, we aren't. Even though, you know, some of us can understand and recognize that things um, should be different and should be better. We're still a very relatively young species when yep. it comes down to, you know, we're like, I always say we're like uh, toddlers as a species. We're like in our terrible two phases. We, we still have so much more growing to do. And it seems like, you know, yes, we should be on this wave. Of, you know, we're all approaching 5D and we're all pure light, but we're not there yet. Like if you, and, and, and that's why when you spoke about um, the, that privilege and, you know, understanding how these other communities work, you have to really speak to people and understand their situations, their circumstances, their environment their neighborhoods because there's parts of georgia where i'm like oh is is as racist as it was in the 1960s or yeah. uh, even further and that's not, not only georgia but other parts of the world totally. other parts of the united states and we tend to get in our little bubbles and you know we see people around us all of our friends are vegan and our timeline is vegan and we don't see the whole picture you know only one percent of the world is vegan so that means 99 percent of the world consumes animal products and if 99 percent of the world is doing something whether you think it's right or wrong we should analyze that and say hey you know it's not just going to be as easy as the one percent telling the 99 percent you all should change there's so much work that has to be done and so it, it it's a very it's, it's a lot to that dynamic yeah. so we, we have to really uh look at that and be willing to be wrong and, and learn again and keep moving. Um, I think specifically in some activism circles I've been in, there's this idea of like, well, we have the answer and uh, we know, and we're going to share it and everything's going to be great. <laughs> right? Like mm -hmm. we don't know, I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to say something dumb and I'm going to, you know, like that's just life. Right. And if Absolutely. we're not expecting that, then we're not going to do uh, the, cause that we're looking to you know uh, raise awareness about any justice absolutely because it's not only about being and this is like a life lesson it's not just about being right like I, i've heard that term you can be happy or you can be right um, <laughs> so it's like when you're dealing with people it's like we're dealing with live beings human beings animal beings like people have thoughts ideas concepts fears emotions so when you're talking to people, you have to understand that 
you're not really trying to change people's minds. That's how I look at, at mm. advocacy. I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to change people's hearts. I'm trying to connect with people. Honestly, that's probably going to be the thing that brings about the most change is having challenging people, but in a way where it's not uh, attacking them, being combative, because you can be firm and stern, but you can also do it in a loving way. You can also do it in a compassionate way. You can be unapologetic, but that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk or mean to people. Um, yeah, and not so. put people on the defense. Exactly. Yeah. Because if someone balance. puts me on the defense, I don't want to listen, right? Yeah, like absolutely. that's just natural. Absolutely. So we have to understand that we're talking to actual people and not robots. It's not like you can just flip a button and they're going to change. No, you have to talk to them, understand, connect, and you know, do a lot more digging than you would do when you just turn on the computer. Totally. <laughs> turn on the light bulb. Well, and I think what you're speaking to is something that's been on my mind a lot lately. And I've, I've wanted to find ways to continue to talk about is just this idea of any sort of change we're trying to make, you know, if we're trying to make the world more equitable in any way, there's, I think this pushback when people feel like you're telling them that they individually are bad people, instead of hearing the conversation as, oh, these systems are pretty fucked mm -hmm. and we're trying to change the system and we are all products of that. Um, but I've had some hard conversations where I feel like people have, um, maybe, maybe it's the way I said it, maybe it's the way the conversation went, whatever it is, um, had that defensive reaction of like, well, I'm not a shitty person. It's like, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I know, I know you're not, it's the system, but it's hard. It's hard to, I don't know. <laughs> it is. It, it, it's, and all of us are guilty of it. Like, yeah. it's not just about being vegan. I mean, the same thing happens in you know, just from personal experience, like in the black community, we deal with colorism. We, mm -hmm. you know, deal with these systems of oppression that were ingrained in us. Like when we were, you know, transferred over here, we were implanted with this like white supremacist framework. Yeah. And that, and, and, and a lot of people don't even understand that, that that framework permeates through their daily lives. And a lot of the things that they do, they tend to think that, you know, we talk about like decolonizing our mm. brains, you know, it, that's a lot of work. It's not just as simple as saying, you know, Black Lives Matter. I mean, that's that's one aspect of it. That's right. It's not just a, a training or a this or. Exactly. It is It is relearning how you um, come to conclusions. Like mm. how, do you, how do you form your ideas? How do you, what what do you place uh, importance on? Do you place, place more importance on quantitative things or qualitative things? Um, you know, do you think, do you, do you put political systems on a hierarchy? It's just a lot of things that, that we just take in and we have accepted. But if we are really going to challenge these systems, it, it's a lot of work. So it's not just, just one thing. And that's why the answer to the world's problem isn't for everyone to just be vegan and everything is gonna be fine. You know, it's mm -hmm. so many systems of oppression um, that are placed throughout our society it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, and I think that another important aspect in terms of systems that I've continued to learn about, but I definitely didn't have any understanding of in the beginning of my vegan journey, is that intersectionality of like human rights and veganism, factory workers, or any mm -hmm. of that stuff. I just think there's so many entry points where you can 
you know, if you care about animals, if you care about the environment, if you care about health, if you care about health care, like there's just pick an avenue that you're passionate about and it intersects with veganism. Honestly, it does. Yes, it's, it's so many. And I think that's one of the, uh, the things that also is being challenged a lot more that I've seen over the last few years, as opposed to when I first started in the uh, movement, um, things seem to be like, okay, these are the talking points. This is the only thing you want to discuss. And, you know, if we talk about anything other than the animals, it's wrong, it's absurd, right. and we shouldn't even discuss it. And, God. you know, those are the things that kind of contribute to the movement, looking away, feeling a certain way, only having a certain group of people. And it's not that you have to pander to people, but we just have to be realistic. If we mm. want more people to be vegan and we don't see a lot of people of color or um, black and brown people or people from the global majority in the movement, we have to ask ourselves, why is this, what's going on? Um, is this something that's happening by chance? Is this something that we're doing? Uh, something needs to change because uh, with the current uh, framework, it's not going to be as productive as it could be. Right. So it's a lot that needs to be addressed. I'm curious about your experience. So we started to talk about um, your experience as a man of color, but specifically, I think as a man in the vegan movement is also an interesting piece because of our connection with like masculinity and meat and masculinity and food. And how has that experience been for you? It's been interesting. You know, sometimes I wonder if I get more, I don't know the right word, uh, attention because I am a man in the movement. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I feel like if so that, you know, that's unfair because I mean, there, I, I meet more women in this movement Me than too. men. Um, but I tend to see the men get propelled and even myself to a certain degree. And, you know, it's not something that, I, that I've done consciously per se, but I can kind of see the, like it benefiting me personally. Mm -hmm. um, but also just in the term of like being tied to, uh, you know, consuming animals, being tied to masculinity, you know, personally, I've always kind of, <laughs> I guess, felt uh, never like the, the masculine type. Mm, uh, like the stereotype, I, it didn't feel yeah, like yeah, it fit. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know, I guess in some ways it, I guess maybe some people see that as, okay, maybe he's fitting the stereotype of a vegan. He's like, not these, uh, you know, super masculine machismo man. So I don't know. I don't know if people perceive it that way, but I don't know. I just kind of feel I'm just being authentic to me. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes across genuine to people. I don't feel like I try to, you know, have to make up for any type of masculinity or show people mm. certain types of masculinity in my advocacy. I just approach it from a genuine perspective. And it's something that I really don't think about much, honestly. Well, I think it's interesting because you obviously care about environment, health, every other intersecting issue that we've named or haven't been named, but what you focus on is animal advocacy and animal rights. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen, anecdotally a lot of men in the vegan movement are health that is their like insert and the way they talk about it is mm -hmm. health and and some environment too 
Um, but it seems like the lane for talking about animal advocacy and animal rights, I don't know if it's because it's supposed to be more sensitive or it's like animals are like feminine, gender is silly, I don't know, but it seems like there are less men in the role that you are in. Mm. And from what I've observed, I don't know if that's been your experience. Yeah, um, that's a great point. I, I will say, I think the most popular and the most, um, and the ones that are pushed to the forefront. Yeah. Yeah, definitely are that. Like they fill that role, they check those boxes. I think the ones that advocate more on ethics and morality aren't as propelled. And I, mm-hmm. honestly, I think, well, that's definitely true with men, but just the movement as in, in well, not even the movement per se, but just the concept of veganism. Like yes. when people think about veganism, it's not necessarily just about the ethics at first. I think the first thing that comes to mind is diet, health, nutrition. And then below that, you know, some people have conversations about veganism and don't even mention animal rights. And right. I'm like, how is this even possible? Uh, you know, this is about the ethics towards animals, you know, and per the definition, the most recent definition, um, you know, by the, uh, the vegan society, that's what it was based around. So to exclude that to me just seems asinine um but yeah it happens often you know and i understand because that is that's is a, a entry point into it right and there's nothing wrong with it per se but it, i think we don't need to lose what this what this is about because mm, i think plant-based and veganism are getting used interchangeably and it's confusing yeah i think so and i i always try to make a real distinction between that i try to educate people i think that's one of the biggest things that uh, the animal rights movement is going to have to do. I don't know how to, you know, execute that. Um, I think it's going to be such a big thing. Like I think plant-based is going to have to be the term to mm. define just not consuming animal products, um, dietary, yep. um, dietarily, if that's another word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's making all new words. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then veganism is going to be more the term that's used towards the ethics because I do think that distinction needs to be made because sometimes I've corrected people and they get offended by the correction. And I'm oh, like, interesting. I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, be disrespectful. I'm just making that distinction, just like I would make the distinction if you said you were a vegetarian uh, or and you ate fish. I would say, oh, well, no, you're you know, that's your pescatarian or whatever you are. Right, 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 right. But by so definition, it's not doing. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's nothing to get offended by, but I've seen people get offended by it. So I think it's just all about how you talk to people. And I don't, I kind of feel personally, I'm at a point in my life where I'm not arguing with a lot of people. I just don't have the energy. Look, I can have a healthy, honest debate back and forth. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but I'm not you know, getting my emotions to all stirred up. I just don't have the time and energy. So look, this is the information. If you like it, okay, great. We can have a conversation. If you just want to go back and forth and be hostile and be bitter, no, I just, I, I'm ignoring it. That's a good avenue to go down and not get sucked in. You, you definitely will. I get people, I get, I don't know, a lot of times I open my Twitter and it's always something. It's people commenting. I remember, um, I don't know, are, are you familiar with the um, uh, uh, name Tyra the Taurus? 
That does not sound familiar. So she's a very amazing, outspoken animal rights advocate on um, Twitter okay. and on just social media in general. Okay, what was the name again? Tyra the Taurus. Like Tyra the Taurus. I don't think I've heard yeah. of that. Huh. She's heard incredible. You should, um, you may have seen her post online, like people share her stuff. Yeah, kind maybe like I've seen mine. it, but I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I would recommend you talk to her too. She's amazing. She cool. has she has her own podcast too. But um, I was speaking to her about you know uh, how she deals with all of the comments mm-hmm. and what her everyday life is like. And she was like, yeah, every day you know I wake up and there's a thousand people in my messages telling me, oh, I should do this or I should be saying this because she's very outspoken. And um, yeah, it's, it, it can be it can definitely be overwhelming. Um, and if you choose to engage with it, it can be endless. So yeah. I've just gotten to the point where I'm just like, uh-uh, it's just not good for my energy. It's, it's draining. To, yeah, it is. If it's not filling you up, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so how has, at least in my own experience, kind of this vegan journey has opened my eyes to all these other aspects of life and things I care about and the way I see the world. How has, specifically as someone who is in this movement, in the side of ethics and morality? Like how does that inform other pieces of your life? I think one of the biggest ways that veganism has impacted just my psyche is, so when I was younger, I, um, I was around 15, I, I, I stopped following any particular religion um, just because I, I, I started to lean more towards, I just like things that are fact-based and in terms of, uh, not to say any religion isn't fact-based, but mm-hmm. I just started to steer more away from just uh, believing in things solely on faith. Like I yep. just kind of started needed some quantitative things to support what I believe in. Um, so when I went vegan and I realized that animals were being abused on such a massive scale, I started to think, wow, how did I contribute to this? Like all you know, all these years of my life and not even think about it. And it really made me more aware of the other things in my life where I should probably assess my behavior Mm. and be more mindful of others and just society in general. So uh, yeah, it it really kind of like a light bulb just went off. I was like, wow, I supported this for pretty much half of my life and thought nothing of it. I walked into the grocery store, saw animal body parts, saw their secretions, and it was just a product. Like yeah. I knew in my mind what it was because I knew literally I was looking at a chicken leg yeah. or, you know, or you know, ground cow body parts, but it just didn't register. And I just started to think, wow, if I could be convinced and, you know, contribute to this suffering on such a massive scale, three or four times a day without even thinking about it, what other ways am I programmed? Like wow, what other work so do good. I have to do? And what other ways do I have to look at the world and start to challenge myself? So um, it's still a lot of work, like I said earlier, that needs to be done. But yeah, when I went vegan, that was one of the first connections I made. I really started to think, okay, it's a lot more work to do because if I was able to do that consistently without a second thought, there's other aspects of my life that you know maybe are not equal, but I'm still perpetuating something that I don't want to or something that is against my beliefs. 
you just articulated that so beautifully. I'm just like nodding my head ferociously because <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, that is, a, that's my experience. And I want to keep talking about that more, you know, on my platforms as well, mm-hmm. just about, um, without that defensiveness, right. Without that, like you bought meat for how many years? It's like, no, mm-hmm. these are just like systems and it was normal and it's normalized mm-hmm. and like, let's unnormalize it. Unnormalize it. We're going to keep making up so <laughs> many words. <laughs> have a whole dictionary. By <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have all so these low. show notes. Like this is what this term means. <laughs> right. <laughs> so have you had any like really fun success stories of like converting someone to vegan and your family or friends that you're like, I never thought this would happen. Um, yeah, I have, I have a couple. So one of my closest friends, when I first transitioned into veganism, I was kind of like, you know, I was like that. I was so bitter about everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, articulate myself and my thoughts into why I'm feeling this way as, as well as I can now. Um, so I, we were over her house one night and we were all having food and everything was vegan. <clears throat> so, um, I was like the only vegan there. And it was like, uh, uh, it was like maybe 10 or 15 of us. Oh, wow. So everybody was, um, you know, talking about why, you know, it's okay to consume animals or what's the big deal. And I'm the only person I'm like overwhelmed. I'm like not getting my thoughts out. And, you know, and you feel like later, you're defending the whole movement. Like you exactly. yourself are explaining like why everything matters. Exactly. It's the worst so not place only to be that, in. <laughs> it, it is. And it was like the first time I ever really advocated to such a long, like wow. tripping and yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I wasn't seasoned at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the host, she's like one of my closest friends, and she wasn't, you know, either way. She was just kind of like listening. <clears throat> but um, like a year later, she told me that pretty much like shortly after that she went vegan because of you know uh, not necessarily what I said, but that was like a pivotal point in her transition, she was like, wow, I kind of need to maybe give this a little bit more thought. So, and like I said, I didn't know that until a year later. And I was like, just talking to her regularly off and on on a regular basis. And she never told you? (laughs) She never told me. I think, I don't even know how it came up. I think I mentioned something about uh, going to a vegan restaurant or something. And she was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm vegan. And I was like, oh wow, how how long have you been vegan? She's like, oh, about a year now. And she told me, I was like, wow. So that was amazing. Um, and I have a, a video on my YouTube channel uh, where I spoke to a Marine, a former ex-Marine. And it, it was such an emotional experience. I ended up crying. Like a few of us were crying because we were at the vegan outreach event. And he literally turned vegan after the conversation. And Ooh. it was funny that that was the first time I had recorded myself having conversations with someone um, and I'll send you the link to it. Uh, yes. So maybe you can share that in the show notes, but um, yeah, that was the first, because I have a background in film and photography. So oh. I'm always the one filming, videoing and always documenting all of our events. So this time I was training someone how to film. So they were actually able to film me having a conversation. And this was the first time I, had recorded the conversation and it was just like an amazing conversation. But oh, he went vegan. He told me that same night. Yeah, he told me that same night he went home and uh, he made his. Uh, he didn't make, but he told his uh, uh, his son, and his daughter, to watch the Dominion 
And after they watched a million, they said they were going vegan. Uh, them and their grandkids, them and his grandkids. So, oh my gosh, just, yeah, it was amazing. That is such a beautiful moment. And because of all the stereotypes in my head, I mean, I'm like, oh wow, an ex marine, you know, like all those things. Talk about masculinity, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. In the military, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. So that was probably like one of the most touching moments I've, totally. had, I've had in terms of just, and I don't like to say I convert people. I don't think anyone can convert anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it happens over time, but um, just in helping someone transition and helping someone um, be aware, that was like the most meaningful moment. God, that's so beautiful. I can't wait to watch that video. Yeah, I definitely send you that link. Yes. Um, so given all the amazing things you're doing, or actually before that, tell us about some of the other amazing things you're doing. Like, what are you working on right now? What are some projects you want to highlight? Like you have so much fun stuff to dig through on your website. You're a photographer, which now makes sense. You said your background in film and all of that. So just lay it on us. What are you working on? Yeah, it's funny. Um, like the last month or so, I've been not doing as many actions, but I have a lot of ideas. So at the end of next month, I'm going to be in Chicago. I'm with this program called Animal Activism Mentorship. Okay. So what we do is we we teach other uh, people that want to advocate how to be activists. So we have an experience group. So we each mentor has a mentee or multiple mentees, and we help them in their transition to, you know, learn how to organize, learn how to create events. Um, how to uh, advocate, we have workshops. So we are trying to teach people how to be activists. And so part of that process is we have these tours every year. So we choose a location or multiple locations in multiple states. And this one will be in Chicago. So it's gonna be eight straight days of activism. So we're going to go do disruptions, uh, speak outs, protests, demos, vegan outreach. And it's just literally every day uh, we'll do maybe two, three, four, or five events, as many as we can or as many as people want uh, throughout that eight day week. So that sounds I'll incredible. Doing that. It's incredible um, because the people, we are all staying in like an Airbnb. Um, I think right now, the first time I did it, it was about maybe 15 to 20 of us. I think this time it's going to be about 25. Okay. So will be and some of these people um, have never done activism before wow so if they come on the tour they learn how to do actions and they go back home and they can organize now yeah. because they've done so many in such a small period of time it's like almost like a boot camp i was just gonna say um, i want to come <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> yeah i'll send you the link just in case um i think we have a i don't i don't know if we planned the other tour but so that's what i'm doing at the end of next month okay I'm also in the process of beginning to start my own animal rights organization. Um, I have some interesting things I want to do. I will be focusing more on the content initially. Okay. So over the summer, I'll probably put out some content. And uh, the name of the group is, uh, is, is Apex Advocacy. So the working title right now is Animal Protection Equality Intersectionality. Oof. And... Yeah, so that's the goal is to kind of keep the focus on the animals, but also let people know that the way we abuse animals and it affects so much in our society to kind of help people understand those intersections. Mm-hmm. So um, 
And I have one initiative from that that I just thought about literally the other day that I think is going to really be incredible. I can't wait to get that. This has to come to light. I'm just so excited about it. I haven't told anybody what it is yet. I'm not going to tell anybody until <laughs> I map it out a little bit more. But it's such an, an incredible initiative. Um, so I'm starting to put my um, energy behind that. But in the meantime, I work with the SAVE movement. I am an organizer in Atlanta for the animal, uh, Atlanta Animal SAVE chapter. Okay. We do vigils and we do vegan outreach every month. And I'm also a vegan outreach coordinator for the SAVE movement. Okay. So if anybody in the SAVE movement, um, they have a, a thousand chapters. So if anybody has questions about doing vegan outreach, I'm the contact person. They'll come to me if they need cars. So if they want to know how to have these conversations with the public, they want to know what equipment to buy. Um, I'm the contact person right now. So those are the things that I am currently working on that's got most of my attention right now. Well, that all sounds amazing. I'm very excited. You, that's like such a good teaser that there's this idea <laughs> coming down. Oh, just it's going to, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it, but I think it's going to be powerful for the movement. That makes me even more excited <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to see what that all, uh, what unfolds. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So given the impressive list of things you're working on, how do you take care of yourself? What is your go-to self-care? So this has been a struggle uh, more so recently than before. Like when I first started doing activism, I just threw myself into everything. I said yes to everything. I did X amount of events a week or a month and I didn't. And it feels good because you're so excited and you've got all this exactly. like new energy. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So now I'm a lot more strategic. Mm. I'm trying to be a lot more um, structured. So one of the things is I'm going to start treating activism like a job. That's yes. kind of been a focus. So although I am you know, employed in a sense by the SAVE movement or I'm under uh, a fellowship, I'm, going, I'm looking at the other as, uh, activism that I do as structured as that. So I'm going to give myself a certain amount of time, hours a week, and there's things that I can't do. Like yeah. I literally can't just say yes to everything. So, you know, sometimes there's horrible things that are happening and people contact me and say, hey, um, can you come and do this X, Y, Z, like right now within an hour? And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. This, I know this is a problem, but it can't be my problem right now because I can't burn myself out. I have to be sustainable. So that's how I'm really taking care of myself. I'm just making sure that I'm treating this like it is a job because that's the only way that I'm going to be sustainable. Some people can do, you know, 20 events in a month. That's not where I'm at right now. Good for you for drawing that boundary. Absolutely. And and it's not always easy. Yeah, It's, It's easier said than done, but I am making improvements. But yeah, I've been taking a lot of time for self like this past month I think I only organized two events and I think next month I'm only organizing two events as opposed to you know months before where it was like six to seven wow and I was like you know what let me especially as I'm taking on new endeavors right I have to you know just balance out okay uh, there are some good things that I want to do but if I keep saying yes to the good things I'm going to not be able to do the great things that I want to do 
So I'm kind of looking at the bigger picture now. So it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, but uh, I'm trending upward. Well, and I like that you identified too, that it's going to change, you know, like you were saying like, well, it's different now than when I started. And, you know, if we talk again in a year, your self-care might sound totally different, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, um, I think that's a misconception with this like kind of wellnessy self-care thing that gets thrown around without anything behind it. It's like, just take care of yourself, take a bath, (laughs) you know? And it's like, (laughs) okay, well, like that's, one thing for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you like take care of yourself daily? Absolutely. And that's a different thing. Absolutely. It is a process. And I think structure with me helps out. I have a mm-hmm. small morning routine that I've, the, this past week, I haven't been on it as good, but uh, I, I meditate and I, uh, I read, I try to read every morning for 30 minutes. So, you know, that's just a little thing that I start my day off with before I check my phone, before I do anything. Yep. I try to meditate and read for 30 minutes. That's beautiful. Um, is there anything that you want to share or tell the listeners about that I didn't ask about or give you a chance to share? Um, I think we covered everything. Um, just if anybody's interested, all of my work and stuff that I do, I try to keep on my website. My website okay. isn't as up to date as it should be, but um, <laughs> soulubanks.com, S-O-U-L-E-U-B-A-N-K-S.com. But other than that, um, I can't think of anything else. Is that the best place for people to get a hold of you or is Instagram or like where can people hang out with you? Because I know they're going to want to after this conversation. Hopefully so. So um, <laughs> I will say... Okay, so the best way to get a hold of me is probably through email. Okay. With all these social medias. I know just, there's too many inboxes. Too many. Yeah, it, it really is. Now there's Clubhouse too. I have invitations on Clubhouse. I haven't even I haven't that. even downloaded that app because I got too yeah. overwhelmed. I literally downloaded it this week. So uh yeah. So that's there. I got TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. It's it's just a lot. Um so email is always good. I also have a Patreon and that's a lot more accessible. I'm a lot more accessible through there just because you have to um, donate on a monthly basis. So I have patrons on there and they support the work that I do. So it's very easy to message me on there. I love that. I have a Patreon too and it's been really fun to grow community there. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing because people, sometimes I feel like I should be doing more on my Patreon, but people are just like, just do the work and, you know, we'll support you. And I'm like, wait, I got to put out this content. And I'm like, they don't even care sometimes. So I'm Beautiful. like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but email, Patreon are probably the best ways. Um, then after that, probably Instagram. Awesome. I'll put all that in the show notes so people can get a hold of you real easy. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was like such a good conversation. I hope we continue to connect in the future. Absolutely. We definitely sure will. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Help me get this into the ears of more listeners. Send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share on social media. Whatever you can do really helps me out. If you want to be read on air as a review of the week, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and you could hear it on air next week in a solo episode. If you haven't yet, 
head over to patreon.com slash consciously carly you can join the growing community over there we talk about self-care being vegan sustainability early releases of podcast episodes it's super fun until next time Thank you.